coach. Let's find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. Today, we are, let me see, we've, we've just moved past Thanksgiving. We had a sexy music after dark show last week, which I, I hope y'all enjoyed as much as I did. And, you know, we're moving into the Christmas season, and you're probably thinking about what you want to do for Christmas and, and you know, decorating and gifts and all that. But, you know, today and for the next hour, I'm thinking we need a hot, juicy, sexy topic to talk about. What do y'all think? And i tell you what, I, I said, who is the person that we can have this conversation with? So this morning I was having a chat online with Angela Skirtu, and y'all might remember Angela. She was on recently, and we were talking about consensual non-monogamy, and I got really good feedback on that show. So we've got a new topic I think you all are really going to enjoy. So Angela, I think we got a really juicy topic today. What do you think? I think we do. <laughs> do, do we ever... Yeah. <laughs> well, so I was thinking, all I want for Christmas is to fuck other people. <laughs> That's a good topic, right? <laughs> I, you know, yeah. Next time they hear that song, that I, I bet you they're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the topic, Nikki? <laughs> Now, you know, and, and people, when I say this, if they didn't see the promos and they hear this for the first time when I say this, they're probably maybe going to disagree with me. But I want you to stick with us and listen because it's it's going to, if you listen to us with an open mind, I think you're going to get some really interesting information. And I think we're two good people to share it with them. What do you think? I think so. You'll learn a lot. <laughs> I think so, too. I think so, too. So we're going to talk about why more and more women are choosing open relationships. They're open relationships and consensual non-monogamy, which is what we talked about last time. To get this kicked off on the right foot, for people who may have missed the last show, and boy, if they did, they missed some really good stuff. And let me just say that on my, I, I've, I've got this show on all kinds of podcast directories, and I've got it on my website. And on iTunes, which, I mean, everybody knows iTunes has podcasts, it is by far the top show being listened to on my iTunes page. So people are loving the topic. So, Angela, for people that don't know, what is consensual non-monogamy? Let's start there. Well, basically, it's couples or individuals who've decided that they don't want to be monogamous, but they want to do it in an honest and consensual way. In an ethical way. So the whole world knows about cheating and the difference between cheating and consensual non-monogamy is when people cheat, only the two people um, having the affair know what's going on. But in consensual non-monogamy, everybody knows what's going on. Everybody agrees to whatever the terms are. How those terms are defined can be broad and expansive. So there's some people who are open to loving other people. There are some people who want it to be just casual sex. And then everywhere in between, there are people with long-term friends with benefit scenarios or friendships that can sometimes be flirty. That's my new favorite term is the flirty friends. We just kind of flirt around the edges, but we don't quite, we don't quite cross that line other than that. But like, there's quite a few people who are engaged in that as well. 
And it's just essentially like texting, flirting, and sometimes flirting in front of each other. Maybe a kiss here or there. <laughs> but so long as everybody involved, all parties, including like if you're married, your partner who you're married, knowing what's going on and being involved in the, the boundary making, essentially. Right. Well, and this actually isn't something you and I just came up with this morning because we were bored. No. Because obviously we would have bored on a Monday morning. This, <laughs> how, how prevalent is this? Because I, I think there's going to be some people in the audience if, I mean, obviously, you know, but both of us do this kind of work and, you know, we're, you know, we we know a whole lot more about this than, than just kind of your average person walking down the street. But how prevalent is this kind of thing? So the last research statistic I looked up said about 5% of the population, at least in the United States, is uh, engaging in this practice in an effective way, meaning it's not like destroying their lives somehow, and they're willing to report it. However, there is a whole other percentage, and this is the part we can't really decide, there's a whole percentage that won't report for different reasons. You know, maybe their jobs. They don't, like, if you're in a position where you could lose a job or get in trouble for some sort of lifestyle like this, then they're not going to report. Or for their kids. If their kids um, or their schools found out, there are ways that schools sometimes can be judgy and churches can be judgy on that. And so um, we don't know what that percentage is. But I will say I personally am in the dating world myself now for the first time in a very long time. And I'm surprised at how often I hear that people are either open to being open or have been in relationships where somebody was open or like even one of the guys I dated recently said, everybody, everybody's secretly in an open relationship. They just don't talk about it because it comes up so often that it's more prevalent now than I think people are aware and to be honest, I think most single people are some version of open anyways because you're not tied down yet, to be fair. <laughs> and honestly, I think a lot of people were long before it was a new thing. I mean, seriously. Sure. You know what I, mean? I mean, things have been, people have been doing this for a while. It just now they kind of have given it a term. And, and it's not even just recent. I mean, long ago, I think it was somewhere in the 90s, somebody came up with the term polyamory. There was always swinging. I don't know how long swinging's been around, but swinging's a version of it, too. They just came up with the umbrella term, consensual non-monogamy, to just basically say, look, this is all the people who are not going to be defined by monogamy alone. Right. I, I know there are plenty of people who, who have been living this sort of a lifestyle. They just, like I said, there wasn't, or they didn't know there was a term for it or that there were other people. And especially, I mean, if you're if you're in a, big city, you're going to find everything imaginable, obviously. But I mean, if you're in a smaller sure. town, then you're just going to kind of think that you're not going to have the diversification of, of lifestyles and, and this kind of thing. But you know, if you start looking around, you might be surprised. <laughs> you know? so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, there was even a movie that recently came out on Netflix, um, Professor Something and the, and the Wonder Women. I can't remember like the guy's name, but it's a Basically, it's a movie about the guy who ma who wrote Wonder Woman or Wonder Woman and the two women he was basically in a long term relationship with. And this is long ago, like in the early, like the twenties, thirties, or forty. Well, whenever Wonder Woman came out, Wonder Woman came out. Right. Like that's when they were having this lifestyle. It's a beautiful movie about how they all fell in love. 
and they were all in, I guess, a type of polyamorous relationship but long before there was any term coined for it. And of course, they had to be secretive because at any time, even now, it's still kind of a taboo topic. So some people are very open about it, but some people are still very closed off because, well, nobody wants to get in trouble or you know, have any issues as a result of it. And people have a, ba- a lot of negative assumptions about it. They just, like, I was just watching this other story on Netflix called Wanderlust, really cool show about it. And when they told their kids, their adult kids, that one of them started crying thinking, does this mean you guys are getting a divorce? And no, it didn't. It just meant that they were dating other people and they wanted to be honest with their kids. But like, there's a lot of misunderstandings about it. Right. It's, you know, it's a shame that you can't just be honest with the people you're closest to and have them accept. It's amazing the relationships you have that you can't have expectations of unconditional acceptance from people you feel you're the closest to. Nobody knows what to expect of it, really. I mean, like, so with marriage, I think people kind of assume what the expectations are. Even in the monogamous relationship, people kind of assume, all right, it's just us, and we're going to be exclusive, and I don't deal with anybody else. But so when you add these hijinks, people are just confused. What does it mean? Does it mean I'm not enough? Do you love me? Do you not love me? And I mean, actually, that's the biggest thing that comes up in my office. I'm a therapist, too. You know, like when somebody wants to explore having sex with other people, their first thought is, why am I not enough for you? Um, right. But actually, in the, in the show, they came up with a really cool way of uh, describing it. They're like, you know, okay, say you've gone to the same restaurant again and again. It's a great restaurant. It's awesome food. <laughs> and it doesn't mean you don't want to keep going there. But after a while, you know, like you get tired of eating that same meal again and again. And what's interesting is sometimes when you try a new meal, <laughs> the new meal being another person, it's, it's, it's weird. It can like bring energy back into the old meal. You still, it doesn't mean you don't want the old meal. It just means you want a variety of flavor. <laughs> like I like Indian food sometimes too. It's delicious. <laughs> sometimes you add new spice to the old meal. Come on, folks. <laughs> you know? No, how about some cinnamon and nutmeg? Who knows? <laughs> I'm just saying, it's nice to have a little variety. And I, I think that's what people struggle with is they understand variety in other ways. But when it comes to sex, there's a lot of fear associated with that. Like, does that mean you're leaving me? Does that mean I'm not good enough? And I, I don't think that's the case. I think you can be good enough and still want another meal. <laughs> Any restaurant, and I, okay, I've written books about this, award-winning books about this. Even your favorite restaurants understand to stay relevant and to stay successful, they have to change their, rest, their menus from time to time. you got to try new things. Well, I guess McDonald's <laughs> yeah. does that all the time, right? They bring in the McRib and they take it away all the time just to, just to make you want it more. This is but why. Even with, right. even with their variety, though, they're still not... I mean, it's it's not that, you know, so as a sex therapist, I do encourage couples to learn to change things up and explore new things and try new things. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, even with having tried a bunch of new things, they still can get a little bland. Like you can look at that same bag of sex toys. <laughs> you know, I always tell people they should have a bag of tricks, right? So your bag of sex toy tricks, you can look at that same thing. And if you've used them five different times, it, it just, it still can get a little stale. And I, I think you can only try so many new things before it's like, you know, what are we going to do to spice this up in a new way? And the crazy thing is this a new person can take that whole bag of sex toys and, like, they're brand new. It's, it's the weirdest thing. And you could be having sex in the exact same way with a new person, but because it's a new person, it suddenly feels exciting and invigorating, 
and it changes the sexual experience with your current with your current relationship. That's the weird part too. Well, and that's that's the reason too why it, the consensual part gets into it is because you're sharing the experiences with your partner, not necessarily in the same room at the same time, but because you're communicating with your partner and everybody knows that there is something going on, you can actually talk to your partner and share that energy and share that newness and all those kind of things. You know, when you, you've got that, of course, I can't remember the name of it right now, um, uh, the A new person? relationship Oh, new yeah, relationship you, energy. I gotcha. Well, yeah, both of those. You can you can share all that, which brings a new vitality to the existing relationship. You know, so you you don't want to keep it secret at that point because you understand the new dynamic that it brings to the existing relationship. So you're you're to go back to the eating thing. You're feeding all <laughs> off of that for everybody involved. Exactly. You know, one of the things I think about for this is like think of why we watch porn there's this there's a new person there and the way they place them they get them kind of in a different position to make it feel like that's the new person having sex with you so imagine doing this in some way with your partner but it's a real live porn it's not and of course you know like with human expectations not porn expectations to be fair but like have you ever imagined your partner being that porn star doing the wild, sexy things? What ends up happening is maybe you send your partner off to have sex with another person or you go off and have sex with another person and essentially it's like you feel like a porn star suddenly. You're, you're doing this new thing and then when you come back and share it, this new fantasy is exciting and engaging and you talk about what happened and like, you know, what you did and, and it's like you get to imagine your partner, this is the compersion part, in this new sexual fantasy experience, and it's exciting, it's dirty, it's wild. You're like, what? You did what? I never even thought about doing that. And that's the other cool part, is there are new things you learn. Most of the couples I know who engage in this suddenly learn new skills, new fun things to try that they never thought of, simply because they just, they, they've always been with each other and never been with someone new, for a long time at least. And now suddenly one person just, I guess, flicks that clitoris in a new way that you weren't expecting, and you can bring that trick home. <laughs> and it's exciting. It's exciting to learn something new, too, and realize, oh, wow, I don't know all the tricks in the, in the book, you know, because there's a lot of different things you can learn from other people. And sometimes people are watching each other do it. Other times they have hall passes where they get to go in separate rooms or even on separate nights, but still, like, that sharing is a part of the excitement. Well, and, you know, one of the things, too, that, that I like to bring out, especially when I'm doing a show about, like, polyamory, is there's so many different dimensions to each one of us, you know. Mm -hmm. And no matter how much a partner may want to be everything for somebody, and I, I don't think any one person can be everything we need. I just I just don't, you know. And, and there's... Um, one of the things I think is so great, and this this is like why we have multiple best friends, you know, or multiple really mm -hmm. good friends, is different people bring out different parts of us, you know, different different parts of us that we need to tap into, whether it's something we really, you know, something we're passionate about, something that we want to learn more about, whatever it is, and imagine having a very close relationship and and sexual relationship with somebody who taps into different elements of our being on such an intimate level. That's, mm -hmm. that's something the majority of people may never experience, 
But it's incredible when you can do that. You know, whether it's intellectually, emotionally, intimately, however that is. It, it's I just, agree it's with you. Well, and I you think to let's, let's kind of go onto the topic of like the females, why more females are being drawn into this, right? And so mm-hmm. I think part of it, it has to do with our role in society. So women have often had to take on most of the brunt of the work in the relationships. Yeah. Um, that includes the emotional work. Uh, often it includes the child care and the chores. Even if we're both working, what you see across the board is women are tending to do more. And so I think that as women are becoming more liberated and more options are out there for us, what we're starting to realize is that it may not be in our best interests to only be in a monogamous relationship. Specifically, think of it like this. Here's my scenario. So if you're the kind of person who always has to do pretty much everything, say you have three male partners. (laughs) Maybe one of them is your handyman. And he's great at that, but he's not great at the emotional stuff. Well, maybe one of them's your emotional support, um, but he's not good at the handyman stuff, and, and, but he doesn't make a lot of money. Well, then maybe one of them's more of your financial guy, you know? <laughs> not that he does all finance, but like maybe he's the one that spoils you on a date. And I mean, I think for a woman who now has more options, like having more than one partner might be a good thing. Having to not necessarily define marriage in that same way that it once was, where it's like you essentially are owned, is a, I think it's valuable for women. And really, you know, if you think even in history, sex for us has not been always a consensual experience, you know? I mean, even back as far as, uh, not even that far, Gone with the Wind, they show an example of uh, Scarlett O'Hara decides in our marriage that she's going to stop having sex. And the guy, the I don't remember the guy's name, but he says, you know, I can have you hanged for this. That's in, that's in that movie, and to me, you know, like thinking about that, that's not that far in our history. So throughout our lives, we've really had to kind of like do marriage as a, it's been a job. Even sex has been a job for us in some ways, and now we get to have a choice. We get to have our own jobs. We get to decide how we're going to live our lives, and I think women just want more than the same old, I guess, marriage contract. <laughs> Does that make sense? Well, I mean, I, I know people are going to disagree with me on this, but I mean, it won't be the first time on the show. But, you know, but <laughs> you know how much I like to make people think on here. But, I mean, honestly, a whole lot of marriages are like a business. It's like, okay, you know, and, and I think women have a lot more choices and options now. But there there have has been a time, and, and there's been plenty of times, where, you know, a woman was expected to get married. She was expected to take care of the home, to have children, to, you know, whether, in, and if the man needed it for business, to, to have dinner parties and, and put on various whatever kind of events or whatever for business. She was expected to put those together to do the entertaining. And in return, he provided her a home and, you know, bought her clothes and, and gave her a car and whatever, whatever she needed, he did that in return. That's a business arrangement, correct? It is. It is. It's a business contract. Yeah. Actually, marriage yeah. has throughout history been a business contract. It, we, we've kind of put a little bit of pressure on marriage, or a lot of pressure, because what originally had very clear rules, you, you described them very well, and even before then there was probably 
I mean, it was, it was essentially your job is to be this person. We're connecting politically in some way. But like even for the kids, like, okay, have kids. But then beyond that, even the job didn't necessarily have to include sex at some point, like because people were allowed to go get prostitutes back then. But yeah, it's always been a business arrangement. We've just added all these extra expectations. Going back to something you said earlier, I think it's hard to get all those expectations met in one place. And I think people understand the idea of having different friends or um, different people you seek out for like maybe your exercise friends versus your drinking buddies. But like I do think people have a hard time seeing sex in the same way in relationships. That like, no, there's only this one person and the only one who's allowed to be there. But if you look across history, it hasn't actually been the case. You your your one role was family. You were to have kids and yes, the woman had her role and the male had his role and that's that. And then anything beyond that wasn't necessarily an expectation of marriage. But now we have added all those things and it, it's really put a lot of pressure on marriage and what you're seeing is marriage is buckling under that pressure because we can't, we can't make each other 100% happy. We can't be everybody's sex kitten or porn stars. We can't be perfect parents and perfect financial planners. Like you can do some of those things and everybody has their strengths and weaknesses, but then we have pieces that are missing. Right, right. Well, I think when, when you realize you can't be multidimensional if everything you need is coming from one source. And, and I, I think no matter what it is in life, you, I, I don't want everything I need in my life to come from one place because like I, said, I, I like the idea of being multidimensional and getting mm-hmm. things that I need from different sources, different perspectives, all this kind of thing because I, that, that's just the kind of person I am. I, I don't want just one perspective or just one experience or just one whatever. I, I want a full range of ideas and this kind of thing coming to me. I mean, I even just okay, just as an example. Let me let me just say my the two sides of my family. Okay, say from my mother's mm-hmm. side and my father's side, they could not be more opposite. Not even possible. If because one one side because mm-hmm. I, I I research both sides of my family. Okay, and I, I get the biggest kick out of this. One side they were all ministers throughout the years. I mean, we're talking centuries, all ministers. The other side, if you look. <laughs> And I love the side of my family to death. I really do. But if you look at them, say back 100, 200 years ago, they all look like like outlaws. They just do. Okay. So I've got <laughs> outlaws and ministers. Nice. <laughs> Jesse James and company on the other side. Awesome. Sure. Guess what? I relate to. <laughs> you know. So <laughs> maybe a little bit of both. I mean, you kind of preach it on your cho- your show. <laughs> just maybe not the same message most people are used to. <laughs> <laughs> just free love and you know good goodness and getting the relationship that's right for you but you know so it's like a little outlaw re- preaching <laughs> I mean, so going, uh, <laughs> you need more diversity i think in your life because i mean you, and we even see the impact from from people who don't have much diversity in their life and don't get information from different sources. I just, I just think it's amazing the difference we get in the world when we have broader perspectives and, and that sort of thing. And I know even even some of the people that I'm closest to, if, if I put them up in a line, 
of like 15 people, you would never pick out the five that were the closest to me. You would just there's there's no no correlation between those people that you would ever pick them out as being close to me. You just wouldn't. You know? <laughs> well, I agree with you. You know, and like if you to me, like some of the most educated people I've ever met are people who are very worldly, who've kind of gotten out of their comfort zones intentionally put themselves into those like fish out of water scenarios, you know, where they're just trying to learn and grow and see something new. Whereas, you know, the people who kind of stay in one place and never move or try anything new, they, they tend to just learn those things and not be open to those new ideas, but then not open to learning like new things as well. Like I'll see people who are more broad tend to have like, I mean, they tend to be high, more highly educated. You'll see that, you know, but like, especially when it comes to dating too, I think there's just so much you can learn from each individual and, um, you know, and it's valuable. Like you said, we're multidimensional people. And like, while one person can draw out maybe the romantic in you, the other, another person can draw out the intellectual in you. And then another person can draw out a spiritual side that you didn't even know existed <laughs> or you did, but you just never bring out because it takes the right kind of person. <laughs> Well, even with the spiritual, because I've, I've talked on here, because I know when you say spiritual, some people just shut down, you know, because they're like, oh, God, religion, you know, or, or you know, God, church, <laughs> you know. But I've, I've tried to bring on some of the things that I talk about, and in spiritual in itself can be so multidimensional. You know, there's so mm-hmm. many ways to tap into, even, even if you think you're an atheist, and maybe you are, maybe you don't believe in God, but there's so many ways to tap into yourself on a spiritual level that you may not even know you had, you know, and that that can even be through various people and various experiences that you never would have imagined. And I just, I don't well, think I, I mean, I, I mean, I can speak to that because I am on that atheist side. But I mean, one of the guys I'm dating right now is um, he's doing kind of like the astrology stuff, not like he guides every step that he takes, but like you know, he looks at the traits, and so he's a Gemini, and I'm a Sagittarius, and we happen to look up, you know, just the traits, like how compatible are these two? I'm like, all right, whatever, I'll learn something, and it was interesting how much, like, you know, like how similar, like we've been having these really cool conversations where they just flow, and they're so easy and natural. I'm like, wow, this is so weirdly easy and natural, and when we looked up the compatibility between the two signs, like it was saying, it was describing everything about our conversations. Well, like the Sagittarius is fire, right? And so you've got, I've got a lot of ideas and I get excited, but then the, the um, Gemini is who's, he's air. And so like they'll, they'll spread, spread that fire and get you talking longer and like going in different scenarios. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly how these conversations feel. And the funny thing is, is I had actually met a friend recently, a girlfriend, just a regular friend. Um, just three months ago and like automatically we felt like best friends and I found out she was a Gemini too and I was like what in the world is with Gemini's in me because like and I felt feel that way towards both of them where it's like you just feel like you go way way back you know and they're both new relationships so I'm not necessarily a religious person I deeply respect everybody's religious or spiritual values but like had I not dated this guy who kind of looks at astrology here and there, I would have never learned that. And now I'm like, well, now I need to just have a bunch of Gemini friends, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm not open to other friends, because I'm a very open-minded lady, of course. <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, it's just amazing the things you can learn from people. So I, I don't know. Well, tell you what oh, I think is... The... Oh, go on. What were you going to say? I know. I t- something I think, when we first started talking about this this morning... Another reason I think women are more uh, open to open relationships sounds funny, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Is 
I, I think the reason, because I, I mean, I look at like my mom and the the women that were around her, and I there's there's this one conversation. I mean, I even remember exactly where I was in the temperature in the room. This is how vivid this this memory is. When I was a kid, and her and and all of her her main friends that she hung around with, and they all were having this conversation about they. I mean, they were panicked. And they were like, what would I ever do if something happened to my husband? And I mean, it was, there was, the sense of panic was palpable in that room. And I was just a kid at the time. I didn't know the word palpable then, but I do now. So. <laughs> You're like, this, this is icy scary. <laughs> As a kid. <laughs> yeah, you know? so like I said, I was, I was, it, was, it was real clear this was, this was not good. You know? And I, I promised myself that day that I was never going to be, I, I was never going to face that. I was never going to, I didn't know how I was going to not face it, but I was not going to be in their shoes. And I didn't know what I was going to have to do to not be in those shoes, but I wasn't going to have, I, I just wasn't going to be in that position, right? And just like so I said, I didn't know dependent how. on another person that you couldn't exist or function well without them. Yeah, I just, I didn't want to have to face that fear in my life, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that we don't have to be in that position now as women. You know, we've got so many options now to support ourselves and we don't have to, I mean, women at that point were discouraged. I mean, you know, mom had a job when she met dad. She was working, but then, of course, she was expected, you know, I mean, I was, I was born, what, a year later, you know, so within a couple months of getting married, she quit her job, she, you know, she had me a year later, and all this kind of stuff, you know, and then she had my brother however many years later, and all this kind of stuff, and stayed home and raised us, you know, so, and, and that was just what she was expected to do back then, way back in mm -hmm. the dark ages, you know, but that, what's expected now you know, and because and, you, you basically need at least two incomes to keep a, a family going now. You know, so women have very different options, you know. So, and, I mean, you've got many more women living on their own. You've got women staying single much longer if they even get married. You know, of course, you've got men that choose not to get married at this point now. It's still not really accepted for a woman to not get married, but she can do it. <laughs> you know, she could say, oh, I have flack if sure. she does well, it. you know, to your point, Nikki, I mean, I mean, to your point, I actually, I, one of the guys that I interviewed, David Wraith, for my show, um, I remember his, his wife had passed away right before he had gone on my show. And what he said is, so he goes to this grief support group, but he's already dating, he's a polyamorous man, and he's, he was already dating somebody else. And he was talking to all these other monogamous people about this, about how, like um, he kind of felt bad that he was already dating in another relationship, but because he's polyamorous, he has all of these relationships and all these people close to him. And during the death of his wife, he had all of these supports, like friends. He said, I, I love his, his quote was like, uh, he's like, you know, you've got to have somebody, when you know you're going through something big like this, you need that friend who's going to come over and give you a blowjob, no questions asked. <laughs> and what's funny it's like, I understand that need for those different supports. You know, I, I know that's a silly thing to say, but maybe it's not, you know, like you need to know who you can go to for creature comfort. And um, I know that even personally going through my divorce, being open and having a few resources has been helpful to me to not feel kind of like I have to be with somebody right now. You know, I think even like when you go through a loss, like a death or a divorce, you really can feel like you're empty, like there's nothing there. Like those women you're describing, 
they, they would have right. nothing and they'd be starting over from scratch. But in the poly and the open communities, you don't have to start over from scratch. It's as though you've already had the supports all along. You may not end up in a relationship right away, but the reality is you don't have to rush into a relationship either simply because you don't feel like you're getting that creature comfort or you don't know where your next paycheck's going to come from or you don't know whatever it is that you don't know. Like in the open community, it's like you already have, you're taken care of in multiple ways. I think personally it's been a great, it's been greatly helpful to me to not rush into anything, to be really thoughtful about what works and what doesn't work for me. And it's been like a security net, oddly. And, and David said the same thing, that like, you know, he felt safer and more secure even going through the death of his wife, which was still a horrible situation. But it wasn't right. as tragic as it would have been for those women that you describe. That, that's interesting. I never thought about it, but it would be very, I mean, going through... Wow, it would be something going through the death of a spouse and being polyamorous. That would be a strange dynamic. Well, for him, it was very helpful. He has many partners. He has across his life. His wife was too. But yeah, and everybody knew that his wife was dying. And um, no, he said it was very, it was very special. I think actually what happens is polyamorous or open relationship people end up being very extroverted. And so they get to seek support from a variety of resources. And I mean, part of your support is creature comfort. Sex is a piece of a lot of our lives for people like me. I'm, I'm a very sexual person. And to assume that I can't have that need met for a really long time just doesn't make sense. And for him, he's the same way, you know, and for a lot of people, we're the same way, but we don't want it to be in this kind of empty uh, situation either. You know, to me, I remember long ago dating when I was single, trying to do the whole casual, like one night stand thing. And those were not fun for me. I didn't like that. Um, I would much rather have long-term relationships where people understand that it's not necessarily going somewhere or it is friends with benefits, whatever it is. I'd rather have that than like random casual stuff where you don't even know the person and you don't trust them. I don't know. And he said the same. It just, it was much, it felt a much more secure and safe doing both transitions with people (laughs) and people who are willing to have sex with you. (laughs) Putting it out there. (laughs) Okay. There's another topic I want to talk about. Uh, (laughs) Which one? (laughs) Let's get to it, Nikki. (laughs) I've seen I've seen women being shamed on Facebook for alluding to the fact that they enjoy long-term sexual relationships that aren't leading to anything other than just a long-term relationship with somebody that's basically just intimacy, sex, and basically just. I mean, it's not it's not leading to marriage. It's not leading to moving in together. It's just a long-term friendship, whatever you want to call it. And it's basically just intimacy, sex, but it's not going to... They, they don't want to be married to the person. Totally get that. I know what she's... I mean, I have seen just downright horrible shaming from other women about that. I mean... Well, so let I, me tell I, you why it's a good idea. <laughs> You don't have to do this, but I'm going to tell you why it's a great idea. Let's talk about two things people have to deal with in marriage. Okay, so what you're describing is all the fun parts of the relationship, the romance, the sex, the having fun. Maybe you travel together. There's a future. It's just not the future that people are used to. But when you add things like living together and marriage, guess what you add? The work. And here's the work of a relationship. 
One part is chores. And say you're a very clean person and your partner is very messy and very chaotic or a hoarder. Let's <laughs> just throw the different ones out there. There's a potential fight right there. Or let's just do finances. So that's, again, the work of the relationship. Say you make a lot of money and your partner doesn't make a lot of money. Or you both make a lot of money, but you like freedom and how you get to spend it. And you don't want somebody telling you what to do or not to, to do. Well, guess what? If you live together or you're married, you have to suddenly, like, that's the business arrangement part of marriage that you have to figure out. In fact, when you divorce, you have to put together a book of financial information. You only sign one paper to get married, by the way. I love the difference here because it's one page and you send it off to the state and you're married. But to get divorced, it is a book thick of paperwork describing what's going to happen financially and with the kids. And it's exhausting to write. Anyhow, um, so that's another thing is the finances. Now you have to, you have to organize who's going to pay for what, when, where, how. And then there's a third thing if there's kids involved, and that is, okay, well, what if you're not on the same page about how you want to parent? One of the biggest fights I see couples fight having is should we or should we not spank our kids? And for the parent who is totally against spanking, who has a parent who is spanking, that is like a traumatic thing that they're trying to work through. And um, not even it doesn't always have to be that as the issue. All I'm saying is like there are so many different decisions when it comes to parenting. And I see more and more people who are getting who've gotten divorced deciding, you know what, I'm just going to live in my own space. You can live in your own space. Let's still be together. I, I want to keep all of the fun parts of the relationship. But you know what? Let's not share the work. And you know what? I see so many relationships that break when they add the work. And like, I, I mean, literally this week, there was a couple, they were, they were the happiest couple you'll ever meet. And then they moved in together and their parenting styles were different and their finances were different. And then all heck Bruce broke loose and they were in my office and they were fine until they tried to change that. And I think to myself, you know what, do you have to share it? Like really, if you can both afford your own space, you, you, I think you said in, in the message we were sitting back together, why don't you guys just like, you each have half of a duplex. You live near each other. <laughs> but you don't have to share it all. And I, I know I am an OCD clean like person. And so if I do not have a partner who is just as OCD clean like me, we are going to have fights. And, you know, I don't want to have the fight. I don't want to fight about it anymore. I just fought about it for 11 years. And, you know, what? it wasn't a fun experience. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> so I don't know. I understand why the women don't want to do it. I'm actually... the the relationships I see that are doing it are pretty happy relationships so long as both people can understand that going somewhere can still mean love, romance, travel, spending time together, but it doesn't have to follow that same marriage and moving in together track for you to be going somewhere. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. Well, it, it, you, can, you can still be very supportive of each other. You can be there for one another if you need to and that kind of thing. It, it doesn't have to end in getting married or living together. It just doesn't. But yeah, it was it was so funny. Cause I was I was sharing with you that even as a teenager, and I <laughs> mom's reaction was priceless. I mean, I was I was thirteen, fourteen, whatever, you know. And I said, you know, if I ever get married, and of course that was shattering enough for my poor mom. And you know, I said, you know, if I ever get married, I, I think we need to keep our finances separate, and we need to buy a duplex, and he can have his half, and I'll take my half. And I, I, I honestly, if, if I had told her I shot somebody, she couldn't have looked more stunned. She really couldn't have. <laughs> like, what are you thinking? <laughs> I, I still think it's a great idea. You know? Well, you know what? Like, just even think about something as small as an introvert versus an extrovert. I mean, I don't think it's small because I'm a therapist, so I'm always paying attention to personality differences. But think about this. So an introvert with an extrovert. 
an introvert needs their own space. They need their own downtime. They need alone time. Essentially, an introvert, around people, they, they feel all of their energy is sucked up. But if you have your own two spaces, an introvert can retire to their own space. An extrovert can have a party the same night in their own space because they like people. But instead of trying to, like, mix and match and make some compromise that just isn't going to be perfect, um, you just do you. You share the parts of your life you want to share, and you don't share the parts that you don't. (laughs) I don't know. I think it's the key, Nikki. I think everybody else is trying to fit a, a square peg into a round hole, if you ask me. But, you know, like, some people really do mesh well, and that's the thing. For those people who do, like, I definitely have seen couples that they rarely fight. They really are perfectly compatible in many ways. Although the funny thing with those couples is sometimes they have terrible sex lives. So they'll be great friends, great coworkers in some ways, like with the work of relationship, but then they'll come to see me because their sex life is bland and boring. And so in those cases, maybe they need to have sex with other people. <laughs> well, you, you know, it's, it's amazing that the couples that helps. That, that, you know, that they're, they're great together in every other way, and just they aren't meant to be sexual partners. So Yeah, and it's hard because they are so compatible. They're like best friends, and they, they could never see leaving each other because it's just such a great relationship on all those other levels. But I think it's right. going back to this key thing is that we're multi-dimensional people, and if we really want every dimension covered, if it's too safe and secure, it's hard to get that rocky, exciting, sexy, adrenaline-pumped hotness that we want. But if it's too far on that side, then it's hard to sometimes that chaos doesn't transfer into that safe, secure relationship that everybody's looking for. And I just don't know if it's easy to get that balance. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, have you ever had clients where they had all the other elements, but they didn't have the sexual side of their marriage and then recommend that they try opening up their relationship and have it work? Well, so I really... If they come to me and they say they're wanting to work on their sex life and they're not open to being non-monogamous, then I'm going to go with whatever path they're asking for. And there are different things we try to do, like shaking things up in the bedroom. I get them trying to explore different fantasies, even watching porns or like, you know, sometimes people can do. So I don't think that you should ever recommend non-monogamy if somebody really, truly is just not open to it. You know, I, I can put it out there and say, what are your thoughts about it? But most of the time people have their plan when they come in. At least in my experience, they're either, nope, we're, we want to be with each other, we just want to make our sex life work, or um, we want to try non-monogamy, we've explored some books, but we need an outside perspective. But it's very rare to convince somebody the opposite way. Usually what I've seen with that is it takes several years of people talking about it and really exploring it, maybe getting to know people in the lifestyle and seeing that it works before they're really willing to consider that. So. I haven't had that necessarily happen, but one thing I have helped couples in that monogamous realm consider is a form of being monogamish, which is basically where you skirt on the outskirts. You know, you play on the fringe, but you're still monogamous. You know, most people are open to the idea of maybe going to a strip club together. They're still monogamous, but they're seeing sexy things, um, but then they're taking that home. And so there's elements of non-monogamy within the safety of monogamy that they can explore or it could be watching porn together or sexy movies together. It could be going to a sexy show, like a burlesque show. It could be going to, there's this thing here in St. Louis called the Naughty Gras. I don't know if you guys have the Naughty Gras up there, but it's basically just um, sexual art. It's dirty, kinky things. Sometimes there's a dungeon where you can kind of 
view, peer in and see things going on, but it's still like if you're, you can still go as a monogamous couple, stay together and never really do anything other than see what else is out there. And I think sometimes that can be a way to help couples explore, but within the safety or confines of their own monogamy. Um, but it's, I don't think I've ever really been able to say, you guys should just try and have sex with other people and they've been open to it. Cause really it's, you're either that kind of couple that you're willing to consider it or not. Um, but you know, like they've at least come to the point where they're ready to talk to me about it, you know? Right. I'm just curious. I I mean, some people may not even think about the whole thing even being an option. So yeah, it's out there a little more. Well, I was I was surprised because I I did uh, a couple shows with um, Dr. Nan about nakations, you know, naked vacations, yeah. and I was surprised <laughs> the majority of the couples aren't swingers and they're actually there wanting to be with each other. That actually kind yeah. of surprised me. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah I've cool. definitely seen that as a way that people can do a little fringe. You know, it's on the fringe. They're exploring, like they'll go to a nude beach. I've definitely had people try that on a little bit, or even there's local things that people can do that are nude but monogamous. I mean, I think everybody has a little bit of an openness to it if they if they can do it in their own safety and <laughs> their confines of their like whatever feels safe to them. There are ways people can explore it, but yeah, I've seen that too, where people don't explore with anyone else, but they do like to see other naked people, and that makes sense. Nudity is a form of variety too. That's true. <laughs> Interesting little ways for people to explore. All yeah. right. What are some things that some of the listeners may be thinking that we could get them to maybe open up their thinking a little bit more? Any idea? Well, I know. So if, if you've never considered non-monogamy, I know most people will wonder, is this going to ruin my relationship in some way? Here, hold on. Um, is this going to hurt things? Is this going to, you know, like I think everybody worries that, you know, is it going to break us up? And I, I have to be fair that it, it's possible in any situation like this that you could break up. But there's actually um, some statistics on this too. So for the majority of couples who do try on non-monogamy and whatever flavor, um, there is a year period, a year transition period that is a little shaky where you're trying to figure out boundaries and explore what's okay or not okay. There's going to be jealousy that shows up. And so within that year is the most chaotic time for couples to try those new things because they don't know what they're getting into and they don't know how each interaction is going to impact them. So that is the highest risk time where people could break up. That is the time where some couples realize either um, I don't want to be I, I don't want to be non-monogamous or non-monogamy is right for me and you're not right for me anymore. Um, it, the biggest fights happen at that time, but the biggest growth happens at that time too. After that year, though, the couples on either side, whether they stay monogamous or non-monogamous, have the same rates of divorce, 50-50. And so if couples can kind of take it slow during that first year, and I call it dipping the toe in, where you just kind of do a little experience, but then you pull back and you talk and you explore and you say, what was this like for me? Was this okay? Was this okay for you? What didn't you like? What was okay? You know, like basically don't just jump in and like over the next three months, every week, go to some sort of event or, or nude resort, you know, like we're just going to completely jump all in. Well, you've never done this before, so take it easy. Take it easy, you know. 
if you dip your toe in and then have conversations, that tends to work a little better and maybe wait a month and then see what you think of and, and then maybe try it again in a month. And then after that, you know, like that seems to work better for couples than doing it all at once. But also reading a lot of books. There's great books opening up. The Ethical Slut are good ones. Watching shows, I've noticed when couples watch a few shows, like I already mentioned a few, but Wanderlust is one that's up right now that's about this couple that starts to open up their relationship. And I just saw the first two episodes. I'm like, oh, wow, this is dead on in terms of what the experience is like for some of the people. Um, So watching a show about it and learning from other people is helpful but then also going with a therapist. I love it when couples like have made the decision, but they decide to come in and see me because there's a lot of stuff I can kind of prevent. You know, one of the biggest things, so I'm going to ask, answer your question like 15 different bullet points. I hope that's okay. <laughs> but like one of the most common challenges I'll see is people are anxiously talking about it rather than planning for what they'll do when certain things happen. So the difference between anxiety talk around this is what if? What if this happens? What if we fall in love? What if somebody uh, gets an STD? What if that, you know, like and they have all these what if questions. Anytime a question is phrased as what if, you know you're in anxiety thinking. And the problem with that thought process is there's not usually an answer. There's just worst case scenario thinking and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until you're so scared you can't even move. <laughs> like that's, that's what anxiety essentially is in a nutshell, Okay. Um, so what I get couples doing is saying when, plan thinking. It's not anxiety thinking. It's when somebody falls in love, how are we going to respond to this? When, um, when somebody says, I don't want to use a condom and you want to use a condom, how are you going to advocate for yourself? So it's not what if and giving the worst case scenarios, but it's like really consciously planning for when different scenarios will happen because a lot of your what ifs are very real scenarios that can and will happen. For example, I had this couple, it's a thruple actually, two girls and a guy. I love that term. It's so silly, the thruple. So anyhow, <laughs> like they started and it was all sexual and they, that was the plan. It was only going to be sexual. But guess what? Someone fell in love and, um, and then they were like, well, what if somebody falls in love? And it's like, okay, so when, when you fall in love, how are you going to talk about it? How are you still going to make the original couple? So it was a, a husband and wife that added a female, right? How are you going right. to still make each other feel loved and supported while you, this new love interest is starting? When these things happen, how are you going to talk through it? You know, it's, it's not a what-if scenario. It's a win because guess what? When you're having sex with people, you can fall in love. It's, honestly, you feel the feel-good feelings, the I love you feelings for two, up to two days after you have sex with somebody. It doesn't matter who the person is. Now, after that two days, those feelings can subside. But if you're having regular sex with somebody and, and you also kind of are starting to like them as a person, guess what? You're going to fall in love. It's not that abnormal. <laughs> but love doesn't have to be the end of any relationship. It doesn't have to be a threat to an old relationship. In fact, what's funny is we used uh, Toy Story. I know this sounds weird. But Toy Story, the movie, you know, with Woody and Buzz Lightyear was a great like metaphor for how they could still both have a part in this person's life. So she was like, and the wife was like, oh, I'm Woody. And I'm like, yeah, you're Woody. And that doesn't mean Woody was just thrown. Actually, he ended up playing with both of them and they're very happy together. And they both have his name on the foot. <laughs> and it was silly, but like it did help, you know, like, no, you're not. It's not like I want to leave you suddenly just because I'm in love with this other person. I just love you both in new ways. That's funny. <laughs> well, it worked out. <laughs> that is so funny. But like I said, as long as it works, right? Yeah, well, that's the thing. 
love doesn't have to be a stop to anything. Actually, love is a very, think of how wonderful that emotion is to love somebody and to feel that sense of connection and closeness. How can you value it and, and be a part of, um, I don't know, appreciating it, you know? Like, can you appreciate your partner's love for somebody and, and say something along the lines of, wow, how is that feeling to be in love again? That must be amazing. I remember that feeling. It feels so great. It does. It feels exciting and intoxicating and scary as hell. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> well, and... and you know, under, understand your boundaries going in, you know, if yeah. so everybody's on the same page, you know, and, and I think I, I've, I've seen people make the mistake that, you know, new people talk with new people and none of them really know what they're doing. And then uh-huh. that, that's not, you know, that's not good. You know, if, if you can talk oh, to people, yeah. talk to people that, that know what they're doing, that can help you. Mm-hmm. Kind well, of, and even know, just seasoned people, you know, like people who have been in the lifestyle for long term. I mean, those are people who know what they're talking about. Right. People, mm-hmm. people that have been there and understand and can, can actually help you and give you input and, and help you not make a lot of mistakes as you're learning and, and seeing what's going on. Because, I mean, they're, they're, it's a lot to it, you know. So. Well, and if you think about love in terms of an anxiety, I've been really connecting the two lately because it is, it's anxiety, right? So on the, on the fun side, it's intoxication and it's an adrenaline rush, but on the side where you're waiting for somebody lo- to love you back or you're waiting for somebody to say they're going on a date with you, there's a lot of rejection and anxiety and a, do you care about me the way I care about you? And so what's funny is love comes with a lot of, um, it makes people want to act in certain ways. And actually a lot of what I have to teach my couples is to not act right away as soon as they feel any emotion. They're like, take some time, think of, like pay attention to what it feels like, but instead of acting right away, let's consider what the best course of action is with this. So you can love somebody, but then because you want them all to yourself, you can kind of be controlling in that situation. And that's not, that's not good for love. You, everybody knows if you love something, or someone you're supposed to kind of let them go and be a little free, you know, it's not like control every move. And so even like guiding couples to like get comfortable with the feelings of love and not necessarily acting right away. Um, Cause I think love's so powerful for some people that they do. They feel like I have to leave my partner right now. And it's like, well, well, do you, do you have to leave them? Why? What, what makes you think that has to happen? You're in an open relationship. You technically can love both of these people and not do anything. You know, like I don't think people, consider all the options with love because they have this one path they've been taught and think of all the marriages that have been destroyed because they fell in love in an affair and they're like oh I have to leave my partner for this other relationship well guess what I see all those couples and they're not very happy in that new relationship in fact that one has a lot of trust issues and (laughs) there's a lot of unhappiness because what was a fantasy has now become a reality because marriage work has added to the plate and they're not happy anymore (laughs) (laughs) me it's it's kind of crazy. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. My gracious. All right. Well, we are actually almost out of time. Is there any, any important points we've forgotten to, to mention? Um, I just think, you know, if you're exploring the ideas, it's pretty common for women to want to try this, especially since we have a lot more options now. And really just get educated, read a lot, learn a lot. Um, if you know people, learn learn from some people who've done it for a while. Um, but then also don't be afraid to try it. You know, it doesn't make you weird or crazy because you want a, a little bit of variety. If anything, I think it's more normal than not. 
Um, but just don't jump in without getting some information. And, and, but honestly, I, I tell you, I've seen a lot, a lot more people in the dating world are open to it. It's not as weird these days, at least in my neck of the woods, as it once was. So don't think there's anything wrong with you either that you want to be non-monogamous. Um, I think that about covers it. What do you think, Nikki? <laughs> I think so too. And like I said, I mean, even you're in a in a much larger area than I am, and even even small town America, it's not as unusual as you think it is. So it's oh, um, yeah. it's amazing once you start looking around and and listening. It's like, hey, it's even happening here. <laughs> so, you know, it really is. It, it, it's happening everywhere. wow well you know if anything I mean the Europeans have been doing it for years really we're just catching up to them (laughs) but like I said I mean it's been going on forever just uh, there's names for it now so that that helps well I mean you know you go to online dating sites and I mean it's it's right there on people's profiles now too so that kind of helps to to narrow and, and know who's who's interested and who's involved and, and that kind of thing. And, and, you know, but it's, it's also, well, one thing too about online dating sites, kind of, kind of see the person's motivation. Cause sometimes, sometimes the person just wants to date around and make, make sure your motivation behind doing it and make sure that theirs is the same. And, uh, you know, if, if you're looking for, if, if you just want to date a whole lot of people, make sure that's what they're, they're looking for. And if you're looking for, to have like a long-term mm-hmm. relationship with somebody and they just want a whole bunch of one-night stands, kind of, kind of make sure you're in sync on that too. Yeah, I would agree with that because there is a difference between people who are kind of consensually non-monogamous and long-term relationships and what I would call the confirmed bachelor or the prefer- confirmed bachelorette. These are people who really only want short-term flings and that's fine. They're like, stay in yeah. your lane. I always want people to stay in their lane because that is perfectly fine. Yeah. But like, if you're wanting something long-term, this person is not going to change suddenly for you. They will always be that person. <laughs> Just kind of make sure which which one and then and then go from there because people can seem to classify both the same way sometimes. So just, sure. just be honest about what you're looking for and then make sure that, that you're both looking for the same sort of, of you know, non-monogamy and then go go from there and have fun and, and yep. be safe. Absolutely. But sounds great to me. And uh, like I said, have have a good time. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and listeners, I just wanna I wanna close out the show and let you know that um, during the holiday season and up until the end of the year, I'm running a special on my Love, Accept, and Respect Yourself program. Uh, only during that time, I've got it marked down to only $197 for the entire program. And to get that, you have to go to the only place you can get that price is www.readyforloveradio.com slash program. Can't get it anywhere else for that price. Anywhere else is going to be substantially more money. All 12 modules for that price, plus all the extras, um, everything's included. And all the updates that I'm going to add later on are included for that price. So fantastic deal. So Angela, any last minute comments for the audience? Yeah, just um, they can check out my podcast at www.aboutsexpodcast.com or if you're in the St. Louis area or close by, then www.therapistinstlouis.com is my website because I'm a marriage and sex therapist. And actually, I'm going to be on her show next week. So Yes, you, you will. You'll have to listen in, <laughs> tune in. <laughs> and I'm, I'll be sharing a, a promotion for that on, on my social media next week. 
So keep, keep an eye out for that one. Awesome. And listeners, I'll be with you next week on Ready for Love Radio.